Why is it that you take certain actions and not others? Why is it that you feel the need to do certain things where you see problems in the world? Today's episode of Neuroresiliency, we're getting deep into the motivations and the drive behind why we do certain things. So as usual, I would say, you know, like, share, comment, all of that kind of stuff. I've decided to stop that. I've decided to stop the push for the social media stuff, um, mainly because I just I don't want to do it. You know, I'm here because I like to give value. And so diving back into that value is what's it all about. So let's dive right in. So it was quite interesting because this came up with a client that I was coaching. And we talked about this for a while. Now, this is an exercise that I've known how to do for a while. So let me get into it. Okay. The first thing that we started off was with this client, we discussed what is going on. What do they want? You know, um, and it was clear from the get go that this client was experiencing a lot of stress, a lot of upheaval, uh, a lot of emotional turmoil, a lot of frustration that was leading um, from work back to the home, back into relationships. And I find this very typical. It's very common. Anyone, um, you know, you can't compartmentalize work and family. It's impossible. There is always going to be spillover. Um, whether you have a happy day and it spills over into your home life and you know that happiness obviously spills over um, to obviously the the more frustrating days and how you can actually take that out on your loved ones as well, the ones at home, your kids, your you know romantic partners, whatever it is. So looking at this, um, my client was having a stressful day. And so I said, well, what's going on? And they explained it to me and I said, well, okay, cool. Now let's Let's uh, fast forward a little bit. And eventually we get to this point of saying uh, they were not sure that they were in the right position. I said, why do you feel that? And they said, well, because it feels very unfulfilling to remain in this position. And I said, well, tell me more about that. What do you think is uh, a job that you think is worth doing? You know, And I do this type of exercise with a lot of clients. It's called the spiritual vision. You basically figure out something that you feel passionately about that you would happily die for, that you would live for, you know, that you want to be remembered for, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways that we can go about it, but we try and isolate um, what are your values. Now, here's the tricky part is you can't just do that and say, oh, what are your passions? What are you passionate about? You know, because people will always mix up their passions together with getting their needs met. And so this, this story of my clients is a great example because my client basically said, I want people to be able to manage themselves at work. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, people never at work, you know, they talk impolitely or they talk, uh, you know, very discourteously, you know, very rude at work. And that just sets this ripple effect in motion with everybody at work. And, and you know, how can you do that? Ultimately, it's this idea of learning how to how to be able to not have conflict at work or not express emotional frustrations at work. And I said, well, why do you need this to be true? And so that's a very strong question. Why do you need this to be true? So anything that you insist, if you insist on anything in your life, you always should ask yourself this question. Of course, I say you always should, like you must, you have to. These are the unwritten rules of being human. But of course, they're not. It's just, it's a really good guideline for you to kind of kick the tires on something that you've got. Why do you need this to be true? So I asked her, why do you need this to be true? And basically, it it came back that my client was feeling shaken and is shaken and is unable to deal with people behaving in this way. 
And so my client needs this to be true in order to feel okay. And I said, can you imagine a workplace where you've worked, where everybody's courteous and things like that? And they said, sure, in my fantasy. And I said, well, what's, you know, like how many workplaces have you been in? And it turns out that my clients has changed workplaces many times, you know, maybe once a year to once every two years has changed workplaces. And I said, and how many times that you've changed workplaces in your career? Have you actually found a workplace? And of course, all that we need to see is more than three to see a pattern of, oh, there are at least three workplaces I changed where they were not up to par and I was, you know, I was the one reacting. Then we can start to see, oh, there's a common denominator that you need others to settle because you don't have the skills to settle yourself. You don't have the skills to calm yourself in chaos. So you want others to calm themselves, to calm the chaos so that you don't have to. And they were like, yes, absolutely. That's 100% true. And so this is where I talk about the concept of musculature, emotional, psychological muscles, and being able to just even identify what these muscles are that we're trying to flex. And so my client's ability to flex these muscles of being able to um, be okay with this type of chaos, you know, that type of chaos that type of um, rude behavior, disrespectful behavior can cause a lot of anxiety. And, you know, we ask the question uh, when, when I asked them the question of like, well, what do you want to change in the world? It was about making workplaces much more peaceful and helping people to understand peaceful workplaces. And, and I said to them, I said, like, so this is what you want to dedicate your life to. And they said, yes, absolutely. This is great. And I said, well, why? And we did the, the five whys exercise, like why? Why do you feel like this is good to dedicate yourself to? Well, because people would be better. Okay, cool. But why do you want this? Well, because my experience, da, 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 da. And so stay away from the philosophical route of saying like, why do you think it's people need this? Oh, because I think that people would really benefit if the workplace was blah, 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 blah. That's great. Keep it attached to you. And we can see this question of like, why does this matter to you? right? Why does this matter to you? So I asked my client, why does this matter to you? And of course, they responded with the idea of like, when people are um, not nice, not courteous, not polite, then they feel like really, you know, um, disorganized, stressed out, emotional, defensive, and it affects them in a great way, mentally, and and of course, emotionally. And so that, that leads all kind of productivity to just be thrown out the window. And so that led us to the, why do you need this to be true? And so making sure that your motivations come from this idea of like, I don't care if this is true or not. You know, why do you need this to be true? So let me share that with you. So for me, the number one thing that I want to dedicate my life to is helping people shift their perspective. Well, why? Well, because personally, I feel that people don't have the right perspectives, you know, so they're blaming themselves rather than looking at, oh, I don't have to blame myself. Oh, so there's a lot of like finger pointing that most people punish themselves for. And I know because I was a part of this as well. I was punishing myself for things that I'm like, you should be better than this. Well, why? Why Why do I need to be better than this? So I'm invested in changing that about the world, changing, helping change perspectives so that people are kinder to themselves and also changing the perspective so that people stop 
identifying with their failures like oh this is because i'm bad it's not because um you know my skill level is low it's because i'm a bad person or something that's why i failed because i deserve this or somehow god is punishing me or whatever the case is you know so a lot of the time like why do i need it to be true that perspectives need to be changed well i don't need it to be true i find it something worthy of dedicating my life to i don't mind being bad at it i still find it a noble pursuit to dedicate myself to because there's the end of a lot of suffering for a lot of people and the types of people that I could reach, you know, that could really, um, they could really become role models for others as well and really become linchpins in, you know, their communities. And so I don't need to be, I, I, you know, my ego isn't getting in the way here. I don't need something to be true. And I'm happy to be challenged on that. I'm very happy to be challenged on that because I, I feel like I've done a lot of work on examining motivations. Like, why do I need X? Why do I need Y? So a good one to look at is most people are exercising. And you say, okay, why are you exercising? What's your motivation to exercise? And of course, it's usually to look great. You know, I want to look good. I do. Okay, cool. What's your motivation for that? You know, why do you need that to be true? Why do you need to look great? And getting to this place of realizing that Looking great, at least this is my motivation, looking great is a side benefit. It's a symptom of good, healthy behaviors. And if that's the case, I don't need looking great to be true. I mean, you know, it does speak to this idea of, you know, naturally we we like looking our best and we appreciate others who look really like at their best. You know, we we don't, you know, we don't look at someone um you know, perhaps uh, this is touching on certain topics that I don't want to get canceled over, but, you know, you don't necessarily look at someone who's let themselves go and and think, wow, that that's inspiring. You know, it's usually inspiring when someone's in the face of that working out. You know, if someone has let themselves go, it's not necessarily because of a fault of their own. It's usually because there's a trade-off that's involved, um, emotional trauma that's involved and things like that. And when they have the courage to climb on that bandwagon and their motivation is like, I want to change this, you know, again, that motivation can only be so deep and really examining the motivations of like, well, the healthy motivations, what are the healthy motivations where the symptoms are the things that most people want? You know, it could be noble for my client to say, well, I want the world to be at peace at the workplace. Absolutely. That is a noble motivation. But if you examine it a little bit more closely, it's tied to avoiding pain. And so that's the question. Do you want to look good in order to avoid pain? So I think that that also might be a great prompt to ask yourself, am I avoiding pain by taking this route? And I think the last point to talk about on this is to also answer this question of avoiding pain with regard to any decision that you make in life. Um, You know, who avoids pain? Is it kids or is it adults? Which one is uh, more short-term? Which one is more long-term? And of course, I would challenge you to even like unpick that. I don't really like saying avoid pain because I don't believe in pain. I believe in feedback loops. You know, nervous systems telling you this is th- this hurts is a feedback loop in your system. Just like there are sensitive and um, you know painful kind of sensations when we talk about emotional trauma or any kind of psychological things there are feedback loops absolutely and they're not nice to experience but by experiencing them 
we learn what is causing them as well. And it's kind of like one of those things of like, it's painful to clean the wound, but you need to do it in order for the wound to heal and not fester. And that's the best way to say it. You know, so avoiding cleaning the wound is not going to help you in the long term, but it might feel better in the short term. And then as the infection sets in and gangrene and, you know, no, and we're not going to go down that road. Anyway, so it's just this point of when are you ready to address that which is painful to you and start moving towards it so that you can unpack that and move towards higher pursuits. And that's one of the reasons I do believe that 99% of people need to unpack a bit of their blind spot, a bit of their trauma, a bit of, let's say, their inner critic, or that phrase that they um, that subconscious says, which is, I can only be okay with myself if these conditions are met. I will only be happy when these conditions are met. Those, those are the pain points to go to, to move towards, to unpack. I hope you've enjoyed this one, and I will see you in the next one. Ciao for now.